Welcome to Mandatory Reshoots, the movie review and trivia podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dempsey, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Sweeney, who I think is broadcasting from Madison. Uh, no, I got to Chicago today. You're in Chicago? Yes, I, I, we left Madison today. I got to Chicago. Way to do your homework. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason you said you were still in Madison. So, an ambitious start to the podcast. Now, here we have uh, big news on the Eric front, uh, a Christmas engagement. Congratulations on that. Oh, I thought you were talking about the new dress shirt I got. But yes, I did. Uh, I did get engaged. Yes, so that's that's a thing that happened, and it's going to happen. So we made it to the end of the year, 2019, the end of the decade, too, I suppose. So how did you fare oh. in 2019, Eric? Did did you survive the decade? Are you intact? Would you say? Uh, I am intact. Uh, actually, end the end of the year, pretty good. Um, uh, if we're talking about personal stuff, I also started doing the keto diet. And uh, we have lost 20 pounds in six weeks. Oh, dang. Tell us um, more about yeah. that. Not that we're uh, uh, sponsored by keto, but let's, let's hear no. more on the keto diet. Also, yeah, keto is not a company. It's just a, a, a diet. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, there's no, no to little carbs. Um, so, no, I mean, Connor, I think you basically do this meal anyways, uh, this diet anyways. But it's, uh, that I it's a lot. type of diet. It's no, a, it's, it's a necessity it's, with me. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of meat, um, a lot of high in protein, high in fat, low in carbs, and the idea is um, when your body you lose a bunch of you don't have any carbs in your body, your body will start burning fat instead of carbohydrates. Um, so it, it it takes takes like uh, a month or two to see some real results, but I've been slowly declining and probably do it for a little Declining's bit longer. It's an odd choice of term, I feel like. Declining in size? I think that's okay. Oh, I thought you just said declining, and I was like, it sounds like you're dying slowly, but... No, I mean, I'd have to... Yeah, I'm not starving myself. Like, I I do feel... um, I mean, let's say, like, Christmas dinner, we had steak and crab crab legs and wine, and the next morning I woke up and had... and weighed the lowest I have in five years. So, I, I don't really get it. Uh, but it, it works. Um, I do miss uh, good beer and pizza. Um, yeah, pizza's tough. Yeah. They're, they're actually, Lou Malinati's, maybe you've tried this. When, um, you should if if you're back, when you're back. I don't know if it's something you could do, but Lou Malinati's makes a crustless pizza okay. that is that is a deep dish pizza, but the, the, the crust is sausage. So it's like a sausage base with cheese and tomato sauce, and then you can get whatever toppings you want. So that uh, that is that works for this diet, and I've had it a, I've had it a couple times. So it, it has you know, it's not the same, but it's it's close close enough to to give me my fix. Yeah, that sounds solid. Well, uh, it's nice to hear that you can still get some alternative versions of it. I thought you had to cut out all all types of pizza, but as long as you can get something resembling pizza that is not lasagna. Uh, like you're right. good to go. Good yeah. To go. Yeah. So no, it's uh, that's going well. So in 2019 was good. End of the decade. Decade was pretty good. Been in Chicago this whole time. Um, but uh, how about you, man? How, how was 2019? How was the decade? Yeah, decade was good. 2019 was, I think, solid. We were pretty uh, sick the last couple of months. Liz and I kind of trading off. So not our, our strongest finish to the year, but that that was kind of out of our hands. But we've yeah we've enjoyed Christmas in the last few days um, and had a chance to relax, which we were looking forward to. So I, I'd say in that regard, uh, a nice last few days of the year so far. And um, yeah, we're always looking to hit the next year harder and see see what we can do. Maybe a little more travel in 2020. We didn't have a hugely ambitious travel schedule this year, so. Maybe we'll change that next year. Uh, but yeah, a, a great decade, I'd say. I think half and half in Chicago and Seattle, and enjoyed uh, both halves certainly. And um, yeah, looking forward to 2020 and what it holds. I'd say. All right, that's great, man. Yeah, cool. Well, as you know, this is our top ten of 2019 podcast, where we'll be counting down our top ten movies of 2019. We hope to do a top 10 of the decade podcast at some point, but that will more likely be in January. But before we dive in, uh, I just thought it would be fun this year to try to predict each other's number ones before we start the countdown. 
Uh, in years past, we've seen the outline of each other's lists, but this year we're going in blind. So let's see if we can uh, guess with any accuracy what each other's respective number one will be, or, or at least get in the wheelhouse. And um, yeah, and as I said, don't confirm it yet, but uh, let, let's see. Uh, Eric, you want to have any thoughts on mine? I, I'm pretty sure I, I think I know yours, but uh, what are you thinking? Okay, so I mean, I would bet a sizable amount of money, oh. like a lot. Maybe I'll, that, maybe I'll, that you, I'll call, make some calls and change my number one just to, to cash <laughs> out here. No, no, you made a video. You can't change that. That's true. Um, uh, your number one is is almost for sure going to be Parasite. Okay, interesting guess. Uh, I don't know where you've gotten this information from, but interesting guess. Uh, all right, on the flip side for me, I think for you, Eric, it's a toss-up between Glass and Cats, I, I think. <laughs> no, uh, in all honesty, uh, I wouldn't bet a sizable sum because you seem to be kind of like encouraging me not to. Um, but I think, considering we reviewed it, Knives Out will be your number one, or at least in that uh, revolving around the one slot. But uh, maybe you'll surprise me. I, I would be surprised not to see it there at one or two, I would say. Okay, interesting, interesting. Wonder where, wonder where you're getting your information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, well, why don't we kick it off, Eric? Why don't you start with your number 10, and then we'll do our honorable mentions right before we do our number one, just to kind of clear the air. Uh, but yeah, why don't you kick us off with your number 10 of 2019? Absolutely. This was uh, number my number 10 is a movie that I didn't have on the list until I just kind of remembered it again, even though I saw it less than two months ago. Well, um, a shocking endorsement of this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's uh, I was kind of it was kind of hard to put together a top ten list. I I don't know if I didn't see enough movies or did you see ten movies at least? Oh yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of honorable mention that I just felt like they shouldn't be in top ten, um, and I still have I still have like you know seven or eight that I still want to see that came out this year that I think could be on the list. So. That's a problem with doing it in like in late December when there's still movies that you can barely see, like 1917. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a good chance it would be on both our lists, but it really doesn't have any show times till January unless you're in New York or LA. So not much yeah. we can do about that. Yeah. So all right. So my number ten is Doctor Sleep. Okay. Um, the sort of sequel to The Shining. Um. This, I'm gonna for each one of these I have a little blurb that I've written, so I'm just gonna read it out like that. A sort of sequel to The Shining, director Mike Flanagan stays red hot with his eerie horror film. Ewan McGregor and Rebecca Ferguson are amazing, and it does a great job of riding the line between honoring the 1980 film and creating an original, compelling uh, horror thriller. Um, I I really love this movie. Um, it kind of was one that I enjoyed in the theater, and then it's kind of just stuck with me since. Um, I think it didn't do as well in the box office base pretty much because they didn't release it at a good time. Um, they didn't release they released, it at Halloween? No, they released it the week after. Oh. It was it was in November. It's like this this would have been a perfect like mid-October release because um, people are specifically looking for that kind of a movie. Um, and I, I so I, I love the movie and I think I think the um, Rebecca Ferguson as the kind of the bad guy is amazing and I kind of like the whole mechanics of how the whole world works and how her group works. Um, it was kind of it was kind of cool to see all that um, in a movie, and so I had some original stuff. So yeah, that's that's my number ten, Doctor Sleep. Nice. I liked uh, Henry Thomas's cameo in, in that uh, film. Also, I thought he yes. he had a cool little appearance. All right, my number ten is Knives Out. Actually, so it is not my number one, and I think it might be your number one. Um, we okay. already reviewed this on the podcast, and based on a review, I imagine it was going to be on both of our top ten lists somewhere. So yeah, we, we've already kind of provided some protracted thoughts on it, but it's fun, it's well-written, it has a perfect ensemble cast, some nice jabs at both the right and left sides of the political spectrum, and Daniel Craig and Chris Evans, who are generally tied to large franchise fare, both seem to be having a lot of fun here. Also, with this in her role in Bond next year, hopefully this will finally push uh, Anna de Armas into proper movie stardom, or at least I hope so, because she's also fantastic in this and was solid in Blade Runner 2049. 
Yeah, and may all future murder mysteries be solved with donut hole within a donut hole metaphors, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, five stars. Yeah, that's my Knives Out review. Okay. Five stars, but number 10. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was a good year uh, for film. Okay. Uh, I, I, I kind of would disagree with that statement, but uh, we can talk about that later. You don't think it was um, a good year for film? Well, looking at my top 10 list, I, I don't think so, but... Um, I think blockbusters, with the exception of one or two, were pretty awful. But I think there was a lot of good smaller films. Yeah, yeah. I, I think just a lot of them came out in the last two months, and I wasn't able to see them. But That's yeah, fair. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right, All right my number nine. Number nine. <clears throat> my number nine is a, a small film. Uh, it is Booksmart. Okay. Um, yeah, it is indeed super bad. Uh, just like super bad, but with female leads. Uh, but it's still hilarious and a nice coming of age story with some great ensemble cast. Um, <clears throat> with a special shout out to Billy Lord for her performance. She kind of stole the show in yeah. outrageous fashion. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it, and it, it was it was cool to see kind of like an updated version of Super Bad with some you know more. Um, you know, with females and kind of more up-to-date uh, dynamics with high school and sexuality and whatnot. So I, uh, I, I thought it was really well done. Um, uh, first feature by Olivia Wilde. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see. I, I think it's great. The actresses are great. Um, Caitlin Devers and... Uh, Feldstein. What's her name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Feldstein, uh, who got nominated for a Golden Globe, I think, actually, for the role. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, Booksmart. That's my number nine. Cool. Well, that segues really well into my number nine, which is also Booksmart. Oh. Yeah, what do you know? We, we agree on that, that Booksmart was certainly top ten worthy. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of Superbad, so it goes without saying that I believe this is a better movie than Superbad. Yeah, I don't know. I thought Beanie Feldstein outdid real-life sibling Jonah Hill for the coming-of-age high school movie throne, but um, I know that's probably just because I don't like Superbad as much or as, as much as people do. Um, but yeah, just kind of going on some of the things you said, great directorial debut by Olivia Wilde. I know we're both big fans of Justified, so I don't think either of us were surprised that Caitlin Deaver is fantastic in the movie. She continues to star in a lot of quality projects, and I think mm-hmm. this was kind of her breakout role, which is cool. Yeah, whereas Beanie Feldstein, I think, was a little bit more established because of Lady Bird and her kind of breakout in that. I think this was kind of Caitlin Deaver's big push role. And uh, as I said, a great directorial debut for Olivia Wilde. It has a solid soundtrack, really strong and sub- subversive second and third acts, and a perfect hard-cut ending, which I think is hard to come by. Five stars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's my number nine, though. Book smart. Uh, my number eight is gonna maybe surprise you. It's gonna be a little un, uh, a little untraditional. And my number eight is El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Oh, nice. Um, this is a Netflix movie that is a follow up to Breaking Bad. Um, that uh, when initially announced, I didn't think it was needed, but I am glad we got it. Uh, Aaron Paul returns and is great again as Jesse Pinkman. Uh, I loved how this continued his story, but also enhanced some parts of Breaking Bad as well. Um, and I think it has one of the best like standoff scenes in recent memory um, on film um, that I, I've really enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, that's El Camino. Uh, it, I, I really liked it. I've watched it a few times now. I think it's just it just felt like another Breaking Bad episode. Um, and I think they did a good job of weaving in some you know characters from breaking bad without making it too fan servicey um like every every time there was a flashback or something it kind of served a purpose um and uh i thought it was great and i think uh peter um oh shoot what's his name not peter um robert forrester yeah robert forrester he's great in his minor role that he um had in Breaking Bad as well, um, but it was sad that the day it was released, he passed away. Yeah, but a nice um, last role for him. Yeah, a good, a good, uh, a good uh, send off for him. So yeah, that's my number, number eight, El Camino. Nice. I, it's not in my top ten, but it's in my top twenty-five. I agree. It, it was worthy 
of uh, a list for sure. I, I think it is kind of unnecessary, but I, I really liked it also in, in the sense that it, it doesn't feel like you learn a ton of new information, but I'm glad it was made all the same. Uh, mm -hmm. And I particularly liked Skinny Pete and Badger's still being loyal to uh, Jesse was a really nice touch. I like that they're very loyal dopes in the end. Yeah, I mean, Skinny Pete really came through. He, he was not even a dope there at the end. He had, he had a good plan um, and kind of took control, which was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, my number eight is The Farewell. The Farewell really resists the desire to manufacture unnecessary drama in favor of earning genuine moments of human connection. So as a result, I think the film might not wow a lot of people due to its lack of big dramatic swings, but it has a really subtle approach to storytelling that I think will stay with you after the credits. Yeah, I think the best description of the film I heard is that it's culturally specific but universally resonant, and uh, Aquafina turns in a great subdued performance, proving she's a legitimate star beyond her scene-stealing support roles of the last few years. Yeah, it's a, this is really a Hug Your Family special through and through, even though I know you're not a big hugger, Eric, but uh, everyone else. Oh, I hug. I hug. Do you? I don't think I've sure. seen a hug. You hug? All right. I, I hug. I don't know why you'd remember whether or not you've seen me hug, but I've, <laughs> I've definitely hugged. All right. Well, either way, this is, a, uh, this is a Hug Your Family special. Five stars. Five stars. Okay. I, I assume if, you know, number 10 has five stars, that everything above it should also have five yeah, stars? Yeah, but I'm going to reaffirm it. That's uh, oh. hyperbole and yelling is the way of the internet. So that's okay, this ranking system makes no sense, but okay. <laughs> All um, right. Moving on. What's your uh, number seven, Eric? Uh, my number seven is The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Huh? Have you not seen this? I mean, I definitely haven't seen it. I'm trying to even think if I remember this is something you told me about. Uh, okay, so technically it's a 2018 movie, but it wasn't released until January 2019. Um, it is a, a thriller film um, that stars uh, James Badgedell from, from the 24, um, if you remember him. Sure, yeah, World War Z 2 yeah. and uh, Iron Man 3. Yep. I like him. He's also in... Um, yeah. Shoot, I forgot the name of the movie. But yeah, I, I, he pops up and I'm always happy to see him. Yeah, The, the Departed as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, this one surprised me. I heard good, kind of good things randomly at the end of 2018 that I uh, was able to see it, um, you know, sometime in 2019. And it really surprised me. It's a really well-done thriller, um, boosted by the fact that it was done on a super low budget. Um, there's a, The ending's kind of interested, and it could affect whether or not you like the movie. Um, but I, I really liked it and I just think it was well done. Um, do you want to hear the plot synopsis at all? Yeah, I would. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, it's about a militia, um, like a, uh, a, a former cop turned militia man Is investigates Michigan a, or Utah or Texas. Um, you know, I don't know if they say where it is, but it, I felt like it was in the West somewhere, but okay. Um, a, a former cop turned militia man investigates a shooting at a police funeral. Um, so basically, what it is is uh, there's the shooting at a police funeral, and uh, all the militia men kind of return to their headquarters where they have stockpiles and stockpiles of ammunition and weapons mm -hmm. that they that they've been been housing for a while, and they're all worried that one of someone in the uh, militia slash cult, I guess, um, uh, was one of the ones that uh, did the attack uh, during the police funeral. So it's kind of a mystery investigation, like uh, who did it, okay. who did it, let's try and figure out, and all kind of takes place in this headquarters, so it's kind of a bottle, bottled thing. Um, mm, and uh, me on it. I like it. Yeah, I would highly you know, recommend it. Um, it's, you know, number seven on my list. Uh, so, um, yeah, I would definitely check it out. Mm. That's, would you uh, give it five stars, though? Uh, I would not give it five stars. No, um, <laughs> right. I would give it like four to four and a half. Oh, and okay. it's uh, yeah, but it's it's stand up at Sparrow Creek. And I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I'm not sure where. But cool. I have this thing that has a lot of streaming movies on it, so I'm sure it's on this thing. Yep, yeah, I think it, it's probably on that thing that you have. Yeah. I would imagine uh, it'd be weird if it wasn't. Um, yes, I will certainly check this out. I was not familiar with it, and uh, any director of note on it. 
Um, his name is Henry Dunham, and it's his feature debut. He doesn't even have a clickable link on Wikipedia, so. Oh, weird. Yep. Huh. All right, cool. Well, that's the standoff at Sparrow Creek, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I always like to hear off-the-beaten-path movies. I mean, that's hopefully the reason for doing lists is to provide some movies that people hadn't heard of uh, and steer them towards that. So nice pick for your number seven, Eric. Thank you. What's yours? All right, my number seven, I guess, would occupy the same vein in off-the-beaten-path movies. It is a movie called Wild Rose out of the U.K., Hmm. Um, it is, yeah, it's really the star, uh, Jesse Buckley is the real standout of the movie. Uh, how she is this talented and still relatively unknown in Hollywood is baffling to me. Uh, she was also great this year in Chernobyl as the firefighter's wife for those. Who oh, yeah. yeah. So she's kind of a chameleon cause I didn't even recognize it was the same person. Wild Rose is essentially a star is born but if both leads were mashed into a single character in the sense that it's the story of a singer's rise to stardom, but she's a bit of a mess to start with. So it's like a mashup of the Gaga and Cooper characters into a a singular character. Uh, The spin to the story is that she's a Scottish woman who wants to be a country singer in Nashville, but uh, she starts the movie being released from prison. And she also has kids who are being watched dutifully by the always solid Julie Walters, a.k.a. Miss Weasley, for those of, who love Harry Potter. Yeah, it's not as polished a movie as A Star is Born. It's very raw, but if you wanted a counterpart to Lady Gaga's dual threat performance in A Star is Born, this has got to be it. She won't be nominated for anything, but it'd be criminal if Jesse Buckley wasn't a bigger deal in a few years to me. The true testament to her performance is that while I was watching it, a, I didn't recognize her, even though I'd seen her in a few things like Chernobyl and uh, Taboo, the TV show, and, and this movie Beast. But B, I couldn't figure out if she was a singer who they coached into a really great and natural performance or an actress who they somehow taught to be a world-class singer. And um, that's kind of a testament to how good she is, where you can't tell if she's you know one or the other. But uh, yeah, she'll be in season four of Fargo in 2020, and hopefully... That will give her some boost on the American shores. And just one last weird detail about the movie. Mm. Um, The film's closing song, which is a great song, was was actually written by Mary Steenburgen. Okay. Yeah, that that Mary Steenburgen, who apparently, Uh after a routine operation a few years ago, awoke with a new sonically trained mind and has been trying to make it as a singer-songwriter in Nashville herself which i know sounds made up it's a really weird story i i had read about it and i thought it was fake and then i saw a few interviews of her talking about it and i was like oh this is very interesting so that in itself could be a movie but it's really true and steenbergen joined jesse buckley for a lot of the press for the movie and talked about that particular um, aspect of it but uh yeah i guess she went in for a routine operation that was not related to her brain and when she awoke, she said she could only think in music. And when she told Ted Danson this, he was like, wait, what? That's uh, that's strange. Yeah. Uh, huh. But an, cool. an interesting tidbit for the film. Yeah. So that's Wild Rose. And of course, five stars. <laughs> okay. All right. My, my number six is Us. Mm. The Jordan Peele horror film. Um. Well, I think I enjoy Get Out more. This is another well-done pseudo-horror film by Peel. Uh, this one's a little bit weirder, and it has a lot more uh, subtext uh, going on, but uh, I like the social commentary that that Peel layers throughout. Um, I think it was a, a pretty good uh, time at the theater and something that is a good, like, talking piece, like, to talk about with the people when you see it. And uh, um, it... I think uh, the performances by Lupita Nyong'o are amazing, and Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, and of course Tim Heidecker. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see if this gets any um, Oscar buzz. I don't think it will. I don't know if it got any uh, um, Golden Globes at all. But uh, it was released in January, February, right? Uh, March. Oh, okay. Yeah. That early year release tends to hurt the Oscar hopefuls. Oh, for sure, yeah. <clears throat> but 
Yeah, no, I thought it was a uh, really well-made um, horror film with some social commentary. So that's 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 good when you can you know make a good horror film, but also have it mean something as well. Yeah, I think those are my, those are my kind of favorite rather than just a regular thriller slasher thing. Sure, sure. Also, I think the best preview of the year. Yes, also, one of the best trailers for sure. Yeah, it was it was like a really good piece of marketing. Cool. Um, all right, well, I'll jump in with my horror entry to the top ten. Uh, with number six, I have The Lighthouse, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, so The Lighthouse is a weird movie, like very weird. It's not for everyone, but it's also maybe not the pretentious nonsense you would fear from a 4-3 ratioed black and white movie about two, mm-hmm. two men going their descent into madness at a lighthouse. It's directed uh, by Robert Eggers, who did the puritanical nightmare The Witch a few years ago. It's part Promethean fable, part Melvillean farce, part desaturated Lovecraftian horror, all mixed together with Eggers' potent blend of historical drama and offbeat period piece nightmare that he does so well. Yeah, it's about as advertised, though. It, it really is about a descent into madness while stationed at a lighthouse. It's easily one of Willem Dafoe's best roles as the surly senior lightkeeper. And uh, it also quietly reaffirms the notion that Robert Pattinson is a better actor than people give him credit for. Uh, Especially if you saw Good Time two years ago or uh, Mm -hmm. Lost City of Z or a few things he's done recently where he's been uh, way better than than people thought he, he could be in terms of his glass ceiling as an actor. And yeah, and like any... As you mentioned, for your Us review, like any good provocative piece of art, it produces vastly different takes on what the movie is actually about and a lot of conversation as you walk out. Uh, It's weird, but it's my kind of weird. Five stars. (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. Um, So that was your number six, right? So now I'm five. All right, my number five is the only animated entry this year, and that's Toy Story 4. Mm, nice. Um, <clears throat> another one, another story kind of like El Camino that I don't think was needed, uh, but I still loved it. Um, its story is solid as always, and so is its message. Um, and it seems like it's a good send-off for the franchise, which is something I said for the last one. Um, so who knows if they'll make more. Um, but I'm glad that we did get uh one more entry here um i think i think the uh the cast is amazing as always the animation is amazing the story and the message is is nice uh, I, I think i like toy story 3 more uh overall but uh i did uh i did really enjoy this and of course it has a uh, uh, what's sporky right and that's forky. or forky forky he was a spork um uh, voiced by Buster Bluth himself, Tony Hale, and um, and of course it has uh, our boy Keanu Reeves. Mm, yes, it's Duke. Yeah, so Duke Kaboom. So yeah, that's uh, that's my number five, Toy Story Four. Yeah, Toy Story Four was great. I, I agree. I don't think it's better than three overall, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's a solid movie. Yep. Um, All right, what's your uh, what's your number five? My number five is another smaller film called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie that you can just tell, I think, going into the first ten minutes, it's going to be worth your time. The first ten minutes are just, like, really beautiful, like, art house filmmaking. Uh, again, it, it certainly is going to exclude the masses because it is an art house film in terms of its pace and its cinematography and it's it's sort of uh taking time to let everything breathe uh and that'll repel some some audience members but i think if you give this movie a shot it just kind of hums with uh, life and vibrancy that most studio films are never never going to achieve it's it's sort of a haunting meditation on gentrification masculinity and grief it's a be- beautifully constructed surrealist work born of a uh, Kickstarter campaign, actually, uh, between two oh. friends, uh, director Joe Talbot and star Jimmy Fails. And it's a semi-autobiographical experience uh, of them growing up in the uh, San Francisco area as it slowly was gentrified and, and uh, priced out most of the local tenants. 
yeah, it's as I said, it, it's maybe not for everyone, but I think if you give it a shot, it has some really insightful thoughts on on masculinity, especially in the black community, and I, I think it's it's kind of a special film that most people won't see this year, but is, is worth your time if you can uh, sit down and, and give it a shot. So that's uh, Last Black Man, and uh, I give it uh, uh, five stars. Uh-huh. Uh, nice. I did not know that it was based off a of Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, started from Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Um, all right. So my uh, number four is Parasite. Mm. Um, nice to hear the bon- Yes, of course. The, Boon, the Bong Joon-ho film. Um, that, uh, you know, this one might be... This People are considered this a masterpiece, and it's on a lot of best-of-decade lists. Um, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that goes up or down in my kind of ranking as time goes on, but, uh, I think it's, uh, just a really, it's a wild ride. Uh, it's a movie that changes tones a couple times, but each part is a delight and masterfully done. Um, and it has, it seems to, like I said, must maybe go down, maybe going down is one of the best movies of the decade and maybe one of Boon, uh, his best films, which is saying something, um, but yeah, overall it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch this and riveting and weird, but in a good way. Um, and the you know the general like kind of message about poor versus rich and classism um, was was really interesting to see. So I uh, yeah I think I think the the ending might I don't know if I love the ending, but um, I think that your mileage may vary with that, but uh, overall I think it's just an amazing movie. Um, so yeah, that's that's my number four, Parasite. Nice. I'm, I'm glad to hear it, it made your list. I know you watched it on a plane, and I was worried that that kind of uh, diminished the experience of, of watching it. Yeah, I'd like to... I don't think I've watched it again. I watched parts of it again, but I'd like to sit down and watch it again sometime on my, my new 4K TV maybe. Ooh. Nice, nice. Yeah, watching Parasite in a the- a packed theater was kind of a, a joy. But yeah, uh, watching it on a 4K TV should be pretty sweet, too. All right, nice. uh, that's your number four, Eric? Yep. Okay, my number four is Marriage Story. Ah, okay. Yeah, I tend to hate, strongly hate Noah Baumbach movies, actually. Um, I often refer to him as Wes Anderson without the whimsy. But Marriage Story really worked for me. Uh, I think it's it's a surprisingly compassionate movie considering its subject matter. It also has likable leads, something I think has been lacking in Bombach movies of the past, or at least any any lead that wasn't played by Greta Gerwig, because she sort of has an unconditionally likable quality that even trumps the dour nature of, of Bombach movies. But Greta Gerwig aside, I think this is the most likable characters or relatable characters Bombach has produced. Uh, on top of that, I, I appreciate that the leads are complex. There's no real villain between the two of them as they sort of struggle uh, to dissolve their marriage. They're just flawed people trying to do their best. Uh, and regarding their characters, uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver really just put on an acting clinic. It reminded me a lot of Fences, where Denzel and Viola Davis just sort of acted their asses off for two hours. It has that same stage quality to it also, where you could easily envision it as a play. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't quite pin how semi-autobiographical this movie is regarding uh, Gerwig and Bombach's partnership right after his marriage to Jennifer Jason Lee ended. There seem to be a lot of details that hint towards it being involved with that whole incident, but that's really not for me to speculate so uh it, it just referring to that is probably the reason why i think this is his best movie is because i think it's probably his most personal but again that's just speculation and uh oh yeah also nice to see our dodgeball friend lucas neff from raising hope in a small role in the movie we always like to see him out there getting work so that's marriage story and of course it's going to come in with five stars uh oh five stars wow okay yeah um where yeah look at who was lucas in the movie he played the gaffer who who was like joking with scarlett johansson and then met her again at the party later oh he was wearing the poncho 
That's him? Oh, I didn't know that was him. Nice. Yeah, it looks different. Just a small role, but nice to see him get a, a role in a high-profile movie for sure. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, so that I'll just say that's on my uh, honorable mention. I thought about it for uh, the back of the list, but I liked it, and I, I think their their acting is amazing. Um, and it was shot really well, like a lot of long, continuous takes with uh, actors moving in and out of rooms. Uh, it yeah. was it was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> be interesting. The uh, what did you have a side? Did you pick a side with the characters? Well, I I, I think. I wish they had removed the infidelity from Driver's whole um, character because I think that tips it uh, a little bit in favor of Scarlett Johansson. But if you remove that, I think it's pretty... I'd have a hard time deciding. But otherwise, in that regard, I would side with Scarlett Johansson in that even though that sort of explained away the infidelity when they're arguing. I don't know. I, I think that's why it's great is that it's not easy to take sides and it goes back and forth. But I, I think Scarlett Johansson has a more understandable plight in the sense that um, she doesn't do anything really that I, I felt was like uncouth or unfair. And everything that's kind of when, when mud starts getting slung, it's really a result of the lawyers uh, twisting each other's words and, and such, which I think was an interesting aspect of the movie um i don't know i I guess i'd have to take scarlett johansson's side because driver's violent outburst in the room isn't great either even though that's portrayed in a certain way that makes it not understandable but it's a complex movie it's hard to be like oh this person is right uh and i think that's why it's so high for me because i watched it a second time liz was watching it for the first time the other day and uh, it was still as, as enthralling and compelling to watch. So, I don't know. It's tough. I, I understand Scarlett Johansson's desires to kind of break free of that domineering personality a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. So, that would be my thought. But it, it's complex. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm kind of with you there. Um, but it it is interesting that they both have points. So, they also have some things that they did. But it, it was it's interesting that... Uh, to kind of watch that all play out. Um, yeah, so I, I, it just missed my top ten, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what's your number three, Eric? All right, top three, here we go. My number three is Avengers Endgame. Okay. Um, what a thought, a franchise that sticks the landing. Uh, emotionally charged, this epic conclusion to the MCU exceeded expectations and brought cl- a close to some memorable characters. Um, I think this is amazing it's amazing it's i've seen it multiple times it's it's really fun um so many so many people in this movie um and uh, you know the introduction of time travel can always be tricky um but i think they did a good job with it and you know had fun with it um and i think you know evans and downey jr uh were amazing um and it was good to see uh, some other characters. Uh, you know, Hawkeye showed up. Um, he did. He was there. And <clears throat> just a lot of people. Karen, Karen, yeah, he was there. Uh, Karen Gillan as Nebula was also really good. She had a pretty big role. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was a perfect end to the uh long uh arc in the mcu yeah for sure endgame is also my number three and my thoughts are pretty identical to what you said so i don't know that i really need to add much they do stick the landing as you said and that's pretty tough to do as we've seen with other movies of franchises recently um where it's it's not an you know it's not a given to 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 stick the landing even if you've been building up something for a decade or so so i think that's really admirable and they acquitted the two staples tony stark and steve rogers really well and addressed the criticisms and criticisms they fielded against each other in at the same time in that uh, tony is selfish and steve is essentially bottled beefcake and the ending sort of answered those questions that they're they're more than those uh, two respective slights, and I thought that was particularly nice. 
And anything else, yeah, you, you've certainly covered. So Endgame's great. How could you ask for a better ending than that? Indeed. Oh, oh yeah, okay. five stars, five stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good thing we got that in there. No one would know. Definitely. Um, number two? <clears throat> my number two film is Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I, I, um, we were supposed to review this, and we didn't get around to it, so I had no idea what what uh, your thoughts would be. So, yeah, interested to hear. Sorry yeah. Sorry interrupting. And that's okay. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's uh, – well, let me see if I have my blurb here for it. Taika Waititi is still batting a thousand in my book as he puts together a funny, sincere, and honest coming-of-age story with a good message and great acting by ScarJo and a young cast. Um, I think this is just a delight. Like I, I want to, I want to see it again. I've only seen it once. I think it's really well made. It's funny. It's sincere, um, and just some really good moments from a bunch of great actors and. Um, including Stephen Merchant, um, and I—I I, I don't know. It just—it just really connected with us, and um, it was just kind of sweet and and nice, and it just—it just had a made you feel good, which is what it's supposed to do. Um, so I, I really, I really did enjoy it, and uh, can't wait to see it again. Nice, nice. My number two is also Jojo Rabbit, so on, on yeah. the same page with you there. Yeah, uh, all the things you said, I. I think hold true um at the same time i am a little surprised at how divisive this movie was uh, certainly it's a hitler satire so it's not going to please those who see no value in buffooning hit- history's monsters but the 58 percent metacritic score and i forget what its rotten tomato score was maybe 79 okay 79 so those those kind of surprised me it because this movie may not uh, have world-shattering insight into the atrocities of the Third Reich, but there are useful lessons of tolerance here, and there's nothing in its 108-minute uh, runtime that feels particularly irresponsible or distasteful. I don't think it's safe or inconsequential, as some have argued. Uh, are there missteps? Sure, but you can't really operate in half measures with a film like this. It's funny, it's sweet, it's heartbreaking. It's why we go to the movies. So I, I agree. Don't listen to the naysayers. Taika is still on a roll. Still, uh, I wouldn't say batting a thousand. I, I hate Eagle vs. Shark, his first movie. But other than that, uh, I think he, he's he's great. And I've really liked his stuff past uh, Eagle vs. Shark. And and piggybacking off what you said, uh, big shout out to the child actors in this film. Scarlett Johansson, Taika, Sam Rockwell, Stephen Merchant, and Alfie Allen are all exceptional. But the standouts, I think, are really... Roman Griffin Davis, who plays Jojo, Archie Yates, who plays Yorkie, and once yep. again, Thomason McKenzie, who plays the hideaway Elsa, and starred in my favorite movie of last year, Leave No Trace. I said it last year, and I'll say it again. I think her uh, breakout performance in Leave No Trace uh, destined her for great things, and she kind of reaffirmed that here, because she, she and Jojo, I think, are a really nice solid core to the film their their relationship and how it evolves yeah i mean i don't understand quite the hate this is getting it's it's made by I, a is it really getting that much hate i i think yeah i mean i'm 57 58 metacritic and some people uh yeah i gave this like zero star reviews some critics it's just um, polarizing jeez yeah, and I mean, it's, I, I don't know, it's directed by a Pacific Islander who's Jewish, so he's clearly uh, sensitive to the issues it's addressing. It's not tone deaf. I don't I don't understand what people are, are seeing Weird. or not seeing. But yeah, I'm complete agree, agreement with you. This is worth seeing. Go see it. I'd love to see it a second time also. Easily. Five stars. All right, Aaron, what's... Saying. What's uh, your number one, which, uh, unless something well, happened, I think I've correctly predicted. Yeah, same same for yours as well. Uh, my number one is, indeed, Knives Out. Nice. Uh, the, the most fun I've had in a movie in a long time. It's a great mystery with memorable characters and a ton of laughs. Uh, Ryan Johnson shows that he can continue to make a great genre movie while subverting it at the same time. Or subverting the genre at the same time. I uh, I mean, this movie's great. I, I, I was trying to convince my parents to go see it over Christmas. Uh-huh. Um, I've been trying to convince them for a while. They're going to go see it. Just haven't done it yet. And Why are we, they so uh, resistant? Uh, it's because they feel like they don't have time for it, but they're retired and don't do anything, so I don't really get it. Um, 
so yeah, we we didn't get them to go out to go see it with us, so I didn't get to see it a second time. But uh, I can't wait till it comes out on uh, DVD. I think it's doing pretty well um, in the theater too, which is great. Um, but uh, the other thing, like I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a ton about it. Um, there's a great a uh, couple of podcasts that Ryan Johnson joined um, to talk about it. Um, it kind of really makes me want to watch a lot of the other mystery movies and read Agatha Christie novels that kind of kind of uh, um, influenced him. Um, and he did say in um, what po- the Slash Filmcast podcast that I listened to, he told them that uh, he had so much fun, him and Dana had so much fun with the character that he's already thinking up new ideas for to bring that character back into a new mystery. Oh, that would be um, cool. That would be amazing, just to have this kind of running thing. Um, so yeah, uh, Knives Out number one. Um, it just it's great, man. It's great. Yeah, nice. It, it is a fantastic film. Uh, I forgot to ask you what your honorable mentions were. So do you want to write? Oh, you want, real quick? Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's do your number one first, then we'll just do honorable mentions. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, Knives Out is fantastic and worth seeing. I agree with Eric. It, it it'd be a fun uh, movie to go to with your family so if uh, you're still at home for christmas and looking for something to do and I, I assume knives out is still playing as you said oh yeah then go see it all right my number one is in fact parasite it, it was not a surprise as eric's knives out was not a surprise i mean you gave knives out an a plus when we reviewed it so i, I would have been surprised if it had uh, fallen out of that one slot yeah uh, yeah i don't know i love june hobong there are a few working directors who films i look forward to more than bong's weird whimsical outings i remember stumbling on his catalog a decade or so ago when i worked at a video store and really felt a strong connection to the offbeat tone of his films and i think parasite is really the culmination of talents he's honed over uh almost two decades of work it's easily his best film to date it's sharp it's biting it's class critique uh that's equal parts funny surprising and jarringly violent at times it's also his most accessible film to date, I think, accounting for yeah. the long, uh, yeah, uh, accounting for the long overdue awards praise, brought about more by timely subject matter and a first act that is uh, more welcoming than its bleak back half. Yeah, it, it, as I said, seeing this in a packed theater was a joy. It's just uh, how many awards hopefuls are this fun to watch with a with a crowd? Kang Ho Song, the the lead actor, continues to be one of my all time favorite actors to watch. His fluctuations between buffoonish, uh, cartoonish, and deadly serious is almost unparalleled. I don't know how many actors can pull off those types of swings convincingly, and he's been yeah. doing, uh, doing this for almost two decades now, going back uh, as far as Chen Wu Park's breakout movie, uh, JSA, which I've always liked. Yeah, I don't know. Song is just one of those actors who's so good people undervalue him because they don't fully understand what he's doing, I think. Sort of like early Tom Hanks where... People disregarded how good he was uh, in terms of playing slightly comic roles that had a serious edge to them. But yeah, Parasite's an easy number one for for me this year. It lives up to the hype and then some. This is a genre master at his peak. Six stars. And I dare say one of the best movies of the decade, speaking to you mentioning that it uh, it was on some decade lists. I, I think it will be on my best of the decade list when we get around to that. And that is my thoughts on Parasite. Okay. Yep, that's uh, as predicted, but uh, yeah, that's a good list. Should have made that bet. Yeah, should have made that bet. All right, uh, honorable mentions, Eric? Sure. Um, Honorable mentions. So the only one that's on my honorable mention that was on your list is Marriage Story. Okay. Um, All the, uh, let's see, uh, Deadwood movie. Yeah. Love that. Uh, the Report. Okay. Um, I had high expectations for that, and I thought it was pretty good, but not great. It was mm. it was a little boring, but uh, I still enjoyed it. Um, the Irishman on Netflix. Um, I'm guessing this will be in your animal mentions too, but it, it was good, but I wasn't that interested in it, and it was pretty freaking long. Um, Ready or Not. Very fun, very fun horror comedy. Uh, Midsummer. Um I don't know. I mean, it's on. It's. I'm mentioning it. Uh, I don't go see it. It's. 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 <laughs> it's. I, I'll never watch it again. But it was just a, a memorable time in the movies. Um, 
that was kind of it. It was well made and good, I guess. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's on the list. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon three, um, kind of had a high higher expectations for that one, but I, I still enjoyed it. Um, Captain Marvel, I know you didn't enjoy that as much, but uh, I thought it was a really good origin story in the MCU. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home, um, I like the first Spider-Man better, but uh, this one was still fun. Um, just didn't mean as much to me. And then lastly, uh, Arctic, um, uh, a movie with Mads, uh, what's Mads Mikkelsen stuck in the Arctic. Uh, uh, really well made, um, kind of low budget movie. Um, oh, and then one I just remembered was, uh, uh, what was the Netflix one that we reviewed? I Am Mother. Oh, I Am Mother, yeah, I'll throw that in the list, too. That was that was decent. So, that's uh, that's my honorable mentions. I also have a, a bunch I'd like to list off that I need to see still, but we can do that after your honorable mentions. Yeah, I have a lot of those that you named on, on the top 25, but I'll, I'll just keep my honorable mentions to, like, five or six. So, Irishman... Spider-Man and Arctic were all, all are in my top 25. Midsummer too, I guess, but it's way back there. But just in terms of uh, the ones that just missed out on the top 10, Deadwood movie would certainly be there for me. I really thought that was a pitch-perfect uh, ending to that, that whole uh, series. Uh, I Am Mother is also in my honorable mentions. I really enjoyed that. Toy Story 4 was in my top 10 for a long time and just got bumped. It's great. As you said, um, once upon a time in Hollywood is in my honorable mentions. I didn't, wasn't in love with it at first. And then I was like, I kind of appreciate what, what it's doing in a sort of meandering way. I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to like Jackie Brown better than, uh, most of, uh, Tarantino's catalog. And I think the pace sort of mirrored Jackie Brown where it was just sort of, meandering in a in an interesting way at least to me but i I know you were not a huge fan of that uh once upon a time you mean um i i forgot to i probably would have put on my honorable mentions like i liked it but it wasn't great Uh um so yeah i'm gonna add that to my list now yeah then i have uncut gems which i saw a week or two ago and and liked probably not more than good time their previous effort but that last half an hour is as advertised it's it's about as tense as as you can get for a, a movie half an hour. Also a nice supporting turn by uh, Kevin Garnett playing himself, which is kind of funny. That movie really feels like Space Jam 2 directed by Martin Scorsese, which is pretty <laughs> a pretty weird pitch for a movie, but I, I enjoy how grimy the Safdie brothers' filmmaking is. They're, they're worth, a, worth a watch if you're a Scorsese fan, as they are sort of Scorsese protégés, but not in a purely imitative way that uh, I felt Joker was this year, where it was just kind of like a Scorsese ripoff almost. And yeah, my last honorable mention, it's, it's going to be Star Wars. I, I've really wrestled with where to put it, and I had it way down on my list, and it moved up, and it's got tons of problems. Certainly, hashtag justice for roast. Uh, Rose Tico, that that was very disappointing. But I'll put, yeah, I'll put Star Wars in my honorable mentions. It's too, it's too, f- it's a formidable movie experience for me, and I can't deny that there was, you know, a lot going on there, and watching it was was important for me. But yeah, the story is a bit of a mess, but I still found it compelling, and ultimately satisfying. Maybe the wrong word, but it, it is compelling in a way. And that's what I got to say about that. Okay. Yeah, I think we should definitely sit down and do a podcast for that movie. I think yeah. we have a, uh, a lot to a lot to talk about there. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with that movie. I could, I could talk for hours about it. Um, so hopefully yeah. we, can, we can record that sometime soon. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll do a Star Wars between a best of uh, the decade. And, uh, it, yeah, it'd be worth discussing. It's complex. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of issues to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So yeah, uh, one the one you mentioned once upon a time in Hollywood. I, I forgot to mention. I put that in my honorable mentions. Uh-huh. Um, there's a couple movies you listed. Three movies you listed that I want to see, but uh, but have not been able to uh, that are on your list. And that is the farewell, uh-huh. the last black the last black man in San Francisco, and the lighthouse. Mm. 
Um, so those three are ones that uh, I really want to watch. Um, a couple other ones. We both mentioned. Yeah, yeah. 1917. Um, Apollo 11. Supposed to be a really good documentary. Uh, Fighting with my family. Hmm. I still have not gone around to watch. Uh, Little Women. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see Richard. That Richard Jewell. Um, Uncut Gems. Uh, I actually started that, but uh, we haven't gotten around to kind of finishing it. It was. It's an interesting start to the movie. It's kind of. <laughs> it's. I don't know. It's just. It's weird. A lot of yelling and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. I, follow. I would. What's going uh, on. Yeah, I, I, everyone that uh, when this was coming out, I kind of encouraged people to see Good Time because they make the Safdie brothers who made Uncut Gems really their pacing is very different. And the first time I saw Good Time, I was kind of like, what the hell did I just watch? And then I watched it a, a few times and I really grew to kind of like it, even though it's very grimy. Uh, and I think Uncut Gems is the same effect where if you kind of go in not having seen their stuff, it's a very sort of jarring experience to watch their yeah. movies. J- jarring and grimy are two words I would definitely use. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, the other one I was going to say was Rocket Man. I heard it's decent, but I uh, haven't gotten around to watching it. Yeah, I like Rocket Man. It's uh, Eggsy from Kingsman, whose name always escapes me. Is, is Taron Taron Edgerton? Yeah, Edgerton. He's very good yeah. in it, um, and it's it's certainly worth a watch. Did you see yesterday? I'm curious. As a Beatles, oh, fan, I have not. I am a Beatles fan. I've not seen that. I heard some um, bad things about it, though. Oh, so you just haven't straight out watched? Okay, huh? I would. Yeah. It, it didn't make my top twenty-five, but it's like it's in the after that. It's not awful. I was pretty hard on it the first time I watched it, and then I think I watched it the second time. And the Beatles, the Beatles covers are are pretty great. I enjoyed those. It's worth. Yeah, I think I will see it just for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's still worth a watch. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, a lot of what you said is the same. I want to see 1917, Little Women. Um, what else? So I want to see Honey Boy. I want to see uh, Shia's Honey Boy, which is supposed to be uh, an interesting insight into him and his childhood. Um, what else came out that I wanted to see? Oh, A Portrait of a Woman on Fire, I hear, is very good. That's a French film, I think, that's gotten a lot of. Uh, praise for award season 1917 Apollo 11 as you mentioned uh, I also would like to see and that's maybe it oh Ford vs Ferrari I wouldn't mind seeing oh yeah and, that should uh, be on my list too the Mr. Rogers movie I, I still haven't had a chance to see yes. but would love uh, to see that so yeah there's still some things out there I would uh, especially 1917 and, and Little Women uh, I think would certainly be on my list uh or extended list if i got a chance to see them yeah cool agreed all right well that uh rounds out our top 10 list no trivia today i think that's it's kind of a gauntlet to get through these lists in itself so that's our thoughts um yeah we'll have a best of the decade uh hopefully sometime after the new year and a star wars review since uh, we, we never got around to reviewing Last Jedi, we should certainly do Rise of the Skywalker and, and talk through. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk about Last Jedi get a little bit, too. Yeah, why don't we do a quick uh, bit about that, too? I think that would work well. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know what? Good for Ryan Johnson for having a, a, a pure, unadulterated, I think, uh, home run with Knives Out um, because regardless of what we thought uh, of Last Jedi. We, you know, uh, we both been big Ryan Johnson fans, so it's good to see him just kind of have a have a clean hit um, and get away from the whole chaos of Star Wars. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yep. Well, uh, cool. that should wrap it up. Um, Eric, again, congrats on the engagement. Big Eric moment. Thank you. Thank you. Moment thank in you. Eric history. Um, yeah, we'll be back hopefully sometime next week and i hope everyone had a great year and holiday season and that's us signing off for probably the year bye everyone bye